Welcome to Ordinary Mom. I'm your host, Tara Ray Owning. On Ordinary Mom, we will highlight the extraordinary in the lives of everyday ordinary moms and women just like you and I. Every woman has a story to tell, and while everyone's story is different, all moms have one thing in common. We understand each other in a way no one else can. As we journey through these interviews, we will cover a variety of topics with each ordinary mom, including personal struggles, raising children, marriage, and career. We will laugh, maybe cry a little, and trudge through this beautifully imperfect life of motherhood together. So come on over, let's get started. Episode one, flying by the seat of her pants. Hello everyone, today on Ordinary Mom, we have got a good friend of mine, Christy Schreiner. Hello. Hey girl. All right, let's just get started. Let's say how we first met each other. How long have we known each other, Christy? Since we were 14. 14. So we would have been. 35. Yeah. So we would have been freshmen in high school and now we're 35. Wow. Girl, we got some time here, don't we? That is a long time. So when we were in our freshman year, I used to come spend the night at your house um, initially. And I remember that. And we were just talking earlier. I actually didn't realize you shared a room with your sister. But I remember now sleeping on her trundle bed and us kicking her out of the bedroom and I always slept on the trundle while you slept on the... I was on the top part that wouldn't collapse. Yes. because on the bottom. Because the trundle did collapse. Yes. And now that we're talking about this, I actually <laughs> remember it collapsing on one side. Like, the feet kind of went down, and then my head would go down. It would just kind of, like, yeah, fall just, to the floor. Yeah, it was unpredictable. So that's why I didn't ever sleep on it. That's right. I remember it doing that to me, actually. Well, Chrissy would come to my house, too, sometimes, because we got um, to stay up late. I would go to Tara's most of the time because we could stay up late. My parents made us go to bed early. Tara's parents really didn't care because it was the weekend. And she also had these really cool birds and just, we just had a blast. I did. I had two cockatiels named Tiki and Taco. And then I came they, home. When did they die? No, they're, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> because I came home from college one day and my mom just gave them away. They live a really long time though. Apparently. I th- they're probably like, dead by now. They might be dead by now. Rest in peace. But, okay, anyways, so we have known each other. We've got almost 20 years of friendship here. Yeah. Wow. Alrighty, Chickie. Well, let's... Along with our other, what, five friends? Yeah. Well, there's a group of us. There's seven of us in that group. And some of us date back, all some of them, kindergarten. And all the way through elementary, middle, and so high cool, school. I think. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. We have an incredible group of women. We have an awesome lady tribe. That's for sure. All right, Chick, let's get some icebreaker questions started out. Get your opinion on some things and some fun stuff to start. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I thought about this. Most people would say someplace like really exotic. I picked somewhere in South Africa. Nowhere specific. Really? Um, but I, when I was 19, I went on a mission trip to um, Africa near like Madagascar, the Comore Islands. And then my husband at the time, or... He wasn't my husband then, but he also went on a mission trip around 18, 19 in Africa. And so we both share the love of, like, doing missions and, you know, helping people out. And I just think it would be cool to live there um, for a year or less or longer, whatever, um, and take our son that we have now. Um, and just to, um, you know, what's the word? Um, experience that life. Yeah, experience that life. Because um, I think kids nowadays, you know, the hustle and bustle of everything, you know, they just, they don't really appreciate what you, what you have until you don't have it or just the simple things in life. Yeah. I like that. That is a, that is a different place than I think anybody else. I think most people would say like Paris or Rome or Fiji. It doesn't have to be like a mission trip, but when you're over there, you, you feel led to do something to help others. Yeah. Because most people in, in, you know, certain impoverished areas, not all of Africa is impoverished, but, um, you know, those people just... They just live very, very simple and, and go without. Right. So I just think it'd be it would be really good to experience that and take our son over there. And, and if you've ever met anybody that has lived in another country or grew up, you know, with their parents being missionaries or whatnot, um, they are just they're just very different. Yeah. And and you can tell very different. I mean, in a good way. Yeah. They're just you know things things here in America are first world problems compared to you know, they just oh, that's see the bigger sure. picture of life. Yeah. So. For sure. For sure. So if you could bring back, I thought of this, I, this had to be your question because I feel like you've had so many fashion trends throughout the past decade, two decades. Um, if you could bring back any fashion trend, Christy, what would it be? Gosh. Oh my goodness. So I had three 
that I'll, I'll really just talk about one, I guess. But the three were, do you remember Blue Mascara? Yes. I think you were my only friend that wore it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was because I wanted to match my blue eyes. Yeah, and it did. Timberland boots was my number one. Oh yes, I think I still have them somewhere. Oh, I love Timberland boots. And then you know, like bootcut jeans, but I think they're already back in style. But Timberland boots, like I don't see anybody wear them anymore. But I would wear them. Well, you know, I, my students are starting to wear Birkenstocks again. Does this kind of look similar? No, but you know, they're the sandals. You know, the Birkenstock sandals. Well, yeah. Like I, I think like they went away, and now they're back. Right? Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought of boots, but I just remember that was really big. Oh, yeah. The Timberland boots were huge. And, and you didn't wear them. Yes. Or if you didn't have them. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. You know. I always got everything last season, so I never. Yeah. I had By the time I always got it, it was, it was always out of, out of style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents were like, well, maybe you want to go to Yes. Okay. I was that girl. And it wasn't cool anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I'd show up in like my Umbro shorts after everyone was wearing Adidas, you yeah. know? So, yeah. I feel you. <laughs> All right. If you can have dinner with two famous people who are they and then why would you pick them okay so when we were talking about this earlier i told you two people paul walker which he is not living anymore rest his soul actually both your people you said it yeah so i'll I'll take it (laughs) so paul walker and okay but why paul walker just because he's like really hot he's just beautiful (laughs) and he's a great actor and i read not you know i don't know many years ago before he passed that he um, kind of lived, I guess, in a trailer, like a mobile home. Just really lived a very simple life. But huh. to look at him, you wouldn't think that. You're like, you're a beautiful man. You're a good actor. You know, you could Glamorous probably have any life. woman in the world. And he just, you know, I don't know. He was a big philanthropist. And did I say that right? Yeah. Anyways. Um, did. I just think he's awesome. Or he was awesome. Um, I like and then my Paul s- Walker. I'm a big Fast and Furious fan. Yeah. They actually did. One of their movies they like dedicated to him, I guess. With the yeah, last one. the final one. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think Brian kind of looked like Paul Walker with his rice burner car back in high school and his maybe no, you big know who Brian reminds me bumping of? in. Oh lord. Trying to think it. of it. Um. Oh, what's his Say by the Bell? Is Zach? Oh yes. <laughs> in middle school, I was like. Brian, I can't believe I'm telling you this. My <laughs> husband, but anyways, yeah, it was the frosted tips. Pick out like who Lisa Turtle would be, and you know, like anyways, yeah. Kelly yeah. Kapowski. Kelly, yeah, it definitely wasn't me. I was, you know, one of those nerdy kids. But yeah, I always thought that Brian was like Zach Morris. It was anyways, those, it was the frosted tips. Don't girl. tell him I said that. Please. I, I won't. Not until I <laughs> show him this. Let him listen to this. All right. So, who's your other person though? It would be Job in the Bible. Um, and you know, you don't have to be religious or most people know the story of Job, whether you're religious or not. Um, it's just an incredible story and, um, how he lost his family um, and they died and lost all of his, um, riches and wealth and, um, just everything in life. He got, you know, fatal diseases and, and somehow in the end, you know, he kept his faith and that's, that's amazing. And then he was given most things back at the end. So, yeah. So you would just want to say, hey, Job, like, let's talk about your story. Yeah. More him than Paul Walker. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. Are you morning or night person? Uh, night. Yeah, me too. That is why. For 12 years right here. Yeah. And let's say that it's nine o'clock right now at night and we're in my closet, by the way. Yeah. And and I probably could go work out. Like I'm revved up. Yeah. Well, we're both night owls. We were talking about this interview initially. We stayed on the phone till almost midnight talking. And I think you're like the only person that I could stay on the phone to midnight with. Because a lot of people go to bed early. I am awake all night. You can get more done. I do. I do. I do. So, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. And we are. We are in the closet. And I was really worried that Christy was going to smell like our dirty running shoes. Can you smell anything? No. Okay, sweet. I lit a candle. I lit a candle in here earlier. Because I was worried about that. We're trying to soak up the sound and the echoes, guys. You know, I, it's I, perfect. Yeah, it's real. It's raw. <laughs> it's very real and raw. That's a fact. All right, because you're a boy mom, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Okay, this reminds me of. It's not one. It's not really even a favorite movie of mine. I just liked the the thought of it when I watched it. That movie with Adam Sandler, um, Click. Yeah. With the remote and stuff. I just. I cried like a baby in that movie. Yeah. There's parts where I did too, but I just, I just think uh. it's so cool that you can rewind and fast forward. Like I would fast forward as much as I loved having a child and being pregnant. And then the infancy stage, like that was the hardest for me. 
yeah. the hardest. Yeah. Um, and then I would rewind, you know, like when Zane first started walking and, you know, just things like that, that, that are just to relive the best moments and love, fast forward yeah. the bad ones. That's yeah. That's, yeah. that would be a pretty good superpower actually. So let's get on to your kid. You just mentioned Zane. So girl mom or boy mom, obviously. So little crazy man. Our boy mom. How many kids you, do you have? Uh, my husband and I just have one for now. Name Zane. Well, his first name is Hiram. I always forget that. That's so right. It's a family name. Family so name. Hiram Zane Schreiner. And I always said I'm not going to be one of those parents that calls their kid by their middle name because I just think it's silly, and that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. 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 Zane. Agreed. But when yeah. We go to the doctor's it's office. It's like Hiram, and my son just looks at me like. Who is that? And I'm like, that's you. You know, it's Hiram, but it's, anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, that is you. All right. As a mom, what is one life lesson that you would tell an expectant mom? Okay, so expectant means about preggers, to have one. Yeah. They have one, never had a baby before. Yes. Okay. Wow. I would say, as a new mom, when you are, um, let's let's just say you had the baby, you're getting getting home, you've delivered, you're getting settled in. I would say just to let let people help you. Like if your mom comes in town, or your mother-in-law, or your neighbor, or friends from church, or friends, you know, from all walks of life, come and just want to help you. Whether it be you know fix a meal or come over and let you nap for two hours, you know, two hours, that's like golden, mm -hmm. you know, two hours of uninterrupted sleep. Yeah. What's um, that? Or come fold your laundry or just, just let people help you because it's just so important. And, and when people offer the help, you know, when you have a baby, like everybody wants to come over and shower you with things initially, mm -hmm. but that's going to fade. Yeah. You know, so get it while you can. Yeah, that's my, that's my point. That's right. And we talked about too, when we were initially talking about this, um, this podcast tonight, we talked about, uh, you brought up a really good point about how, you know, being a mom is so sacrificial and people, you don't really realize that until you have children. Cause you don't really realize how much you could love another human being is so raw, so fierce that it would not take two seconds for you to throw yourself in front of a bus to save their life. And oh, absolutely. that is something that you truly don't understand until you have kids of your own. I remember my parents constantly saying, you know, I, I would tell them, stop worrying about me. Stop worrying about me. I'm fine. And so you don't understand. You will when you have kids. You never stop worrying about them. And when it's a different stage, when that, when that stage is over and the next stage comes, you'll just continuously worry about something different. Mm -hmm. It never stops. I mean, you, you live and breathe for your children. It's, it is very raw. It's like the rawest type of love, but it's the sweetest, right? I mean, you know, you love your friends. You love your parents. Yeah. You love your husband. And you love, you know, you love your husband. Yeah. Well, when you first get married, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but when you have a child, like, that's a love like no other. Like Tara said, you would jump in front of a bus. You know, yeah. I, you would do anything. Yeah. And it's funny how, like, if your kid is in... I don't know, minor, major danger, or somebody's like making fun of them. It's like that mama bear instinct comes out, and like all the hairs, like on my, not really my back, because I'm on my ears all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my arms, like I just like rear up, and you know, just my chest is like bowed out, and I just, I just want to attack, and I have to be like, all right, calm it down. Yeah, no, it is. It's true. I am a pretty laid back person. I don't get feisty very often, really, uh, but. Since I've had kids, I have discovered a whole nother side. Oh, and the world is myself. cruel, and it's just going to get worse. Yeah, that's a so. fact. That mama bear thing—that is—that is real. That is real, and um, I think that's you know just again something you just won't understand until you actually have children of your own. So another thing that we had talked about too when we were talking about this um, interview was just about slowing down and you know being present for your children as well in a more concrete way because we get so caught up in being busy all the time and we get so caught up in trying to do so much stuff that it's easy to, we were talking about the technology um, and with iPads and iPhones and video games and stuff like that. So to be present physically with your children to do things, to do things hands-on, to not just um, put a screen in front of their face. And that's, that's a balance, right? We talked about that. And it's easy that. to do. I mean, I'm yeah. guilty of it myself. You know, you want to, Oh, for sure. I am too. I watch a TV show or you're fixing dinner or Tara's just like I am. We're just, I don't want to say clean freaks, but you just, we like ourselves to be clean and neat and fresh. And yeah, I'm a clean I like freak a, for sure. 
I like a clean, fresh house and everything has a spot, every, you know, and I just, um, no, you're fine. No, it's good. No, oh, we're talking about screen time. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's okay to give your child, you know, your iPad or your, your phone to play a game or whatnot. Um, but, but set a timer. I set a, a timer on my Apple watch and that's not only for my son, but it's for me too, because time right. just gets away from you. You, right. know, you get to clean in the bathroom or whatever. And an hour has gone by and your child is sitting there with, yeah, you know, the, the iPad right in their, their face. face yeah. We try to do that too. We try to limit screen time a lot, but I have to say we, it was so easy with Lathan because he would sit down and we could color and we could play games. Grandmas are so different. So when we would go out to restaurants with Lathan, it was never an option to have a screen because it was actually never needed. But with Graham, since he's been born and he's gotten older, we've had to give him the phone in the restaurant and he just doesn't stop. And other people are looking at us like control your kid. Yeah. I'm like, we're those parents. <laughs> like, when did we become those parents? But it, it has Actually, to be people give you that look yeah you know they've either been there done that or they want to act like they haven't been there done that and that draws me up the wall yeah yeah we get the look sometimes with Graham so we uh, pull the phone out at the restaurants which is something we just never had to do with Lathan but at home we definitely limit it um and we do like you said when we were talking about this try to do we play a lot of games with the boys and try to do stuff that's not just just more hands-on like painting or uh, imagination yeah or you know Stuff that gets their brain out of the technology. But then there's a balance for that, too, because these kids have to be tech savvy. Their whole world is technology, right? So you just have to you have to quickly find that balance as they get older. What's enough and what's not? Because you, you, their whole life is based around electronics. But you also want them to have good people skills and social skills. And that's right. where... It's discouraging to me as a parent when you... Like you're talking about a restaurant. You go to a restaurant... Last week, we went to, I guess, Chili's, and there was a family of four, mom and dad, and then two kids, a boy and a girl, and they were not talking at all. It broke my heart. Yeah. They were all on their phones the yeah. whole entire... When their meal came, they didn't even talk to... They didn't even make eye contact with the waitress. They, yeah. I, yeah. And my husband just kind of... We were on a date night without our child, and we just kind of sat there and just stared, and we were like, let's observe this, you know? Yeah. It was really sad. Yeah. I totally see that. I've seen that, too, actually. Put your phones away. Yeah. You cannot... Look get these, up. You can't get these time, this time back, you know? Agreed. Agreed. All right. So what are some traits that your child has that reflect both yourself and your husband? Because I always think this is super interesting. When you have a kid, you think what they're going to pick up from you and then you see it and it's really hilarious. You're like, oh, my God, they they got that from me, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit even. (laughs) But Hmm. let's see. I'm very lovey, very emotional. And I must say right now, I think my son possesses those traits of me. Mm -hmm. He didn't, I don't really know a stranger and neither does he. Mm -hmm. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. He'll talk to any kid in there, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it's a kid that's younger than him, he's four and a half. And if it's a little, you know, I don't know, a little girl or her little pigtails, you know, fall out, he'll go and say, can I fix your hair? You know, just, I don't know. Just, he just amazes me. He's four and a half and he has already picked that up, which makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But from Drew, my husband, Zane is very observant. Um, he's very, like, situational awareness. He just notices everything. Um, that's just the best way to put it. That's a good uh, which, trait Which is have. a great thing because nowadays, you know, with all yeah, the shootings. Yeah, you have to be aware of surroundings. Things that you hear about, you know, you want them to. So he notices things that you don't in, oh, yeah. in situations. And, <laughs> yeah, like, and you're like, wait, what? I, I don't know, like if there's a tractor on the side of the road and I'm, you know, not looking at my phone when I'm driving because I do not text and drive. Um, but he j- anyways, he just notices the most random things, you know. Yeah. If, well, there if are a observant. tractor on the side of the road has a flat tire, I didn't notice it, but he would. They are observant. It's because they're so curious and they just want to know everything about and we're everything. we're in that why stage now. Yes. It's hard. Yes. Because sometimes I say... Mommy doesn't know. Let's ask Daddy. And if Daddy doesn't know, I we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're in that stage right now. We'll night save too. that for later. Yes, that's right. Me. We'll figure it out. We'll get back to you on that. Okay. Okay. Having only one child. So you had said before. What do you think as far as expanding your family? Because we had talked about this. Well, I would like to have another one. My husband, on the other hand. Um, I think I think he's done, uh, which at first I was discouraged, but mm-hmm. now that I've thought about it and kind of had time to di- digest it after crying for 48 hours, 
that I would never be pregnant again, <laughs> even though I threw up like six times a day. You were the months. worst pregnant person. Um, I just clapped. Sorry. Um, you know, I'm open to having another child, but he's not. So I think we're just going to pray about it and whatever happens. But until then, I would like to take in all of my other friends kids and yeah. just have them over and they can be yeah. zane's playmates because yeah. he can get lonely sometimes at home but i mean we really try to let him socialize and get out and we've yeah got tons of cousins and yeah and you know. the fact of the matter is it's okay if you just want one child i know there's a lot of pressure to have more than one and i know that people and nobody has pressured me is yeah. a weird thing yeah. i think i've pressured myself oh for sure because i see you like yeah. in our group of friends you yeah. have two everybody has two and i yeah. have one yeah and i kind of felt like the longest you guys were like looking at me like all right when's the next one and i'm like I don't know. People do that naturally, but it's it's okay if you Even, just want like, one. Like right after I deliver Zane, people are like, "When's the next one?" I'm like, "Wait a minute!" Like, let me, I know. Let me tackle this. Yeah. So. No, and it's totally fine. Which you and I talked about this. I mean, if you if you feel like everyone's family is complete at a different number of children, yeah. and you make that call, nobody else, yeah. and you can. And you I'm can, not an only child, and neither is my husband. Right. So naturally, you think. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to be alone, but like I said, you can. You can make a family with other families, so right. to speak. And the good thing about that is they can come over for dinner, hang out with your kid, and then you send them home. And they can leave. There's yeah. many positives to Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to get around with just one kid, right? It really is. <laughs> Life I, I becomes see. very simple in a lot of ways. <sighs> yeah. Well, I think either way, whatever you guys decide, I, I don't feel like you'd feel any less fulfilled, especially now, because you've kind of come to terms with that, like, yeah. if you were just to have And it's one. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, sister, let's see. Let's talk a little bit about marriage. You mentioned Drew. So tell everyone, who is your husband? How long have you guys been married? All that good stuff. Um, okay, so Drew Schreiner. It's actually James Drew Schreiner. He goes by his middle name. Um, he we, does too. Yeah. That's funny. So we dated for two and a half years prior to getting married. So we've known each other ten and a half years, but been married for eight and we just celebrated our eighth year anniversary. Happy anniversary. 10, 10, 10. Yes, that's right. never forget it. Anyways, but yeah, that's it. Um, well, what do you think in life and in marriage, what is the biggest life lesson that you've learned by being married with and without children? So pre-kids and after kids, just marriage in general. Um, Let's see. I had, to, this one was tough for me. I think the biggest life lesson, I'm just going to combine yeah. the two points that you just said. Yeah. Um, love my husband dearly, but to all the people out there that aren't married, they're dating, whatnot, take your time. Yeah. Take your time. And I love my spouse, but take your time getting to know them, their likes, dislikes. Be as picky as you want. Because really, I mean, you're, you know, when you say your vows, you, you're vowing. And for me personally, you're you're making a covenant with God that you are going to stay with that person through the thick and the thin. And right. I mean real thin. Right. <laughs> and the thickness right. of health and E-F-G. Is that the right order? Yeah. All the above. Um, and it's it's really hard. And, you know, Tara, I think you would agree with me and all the other, the girls in our just little high school group. Yeah. Our old high school group. Um, it's funny. People spend more time, more money on planning the actual wedding yeah and attention to detail and all this other stuff then they do like really paying attention to the person that they're going to get married to yeah you can date somebody for seven years and not really know them yeah. i'm not that's not our case but we have some friends just like that and they you know they got divorced quickly and it was just sad and they had kids and you know that that's another story but um i think is you know take your time with the person that you're going to potentially marry, you really get to know their family. I've I often heard the joke, well, you marry that person, not their family. Oh, no. No, you marry their family as well. Yeah, that's if true. If they have a good relationship with their family. That's but true. It just it comes with a lot of strings attached. And, and I love my in-laws dearly. I mean, and I'm very fortunate. <laughs> No, I agree. Totally. You do. And I think that's a really good point, Christy, actually, regardless where, whatever stage you are in your marriage, I mean, in however long you've been with somebody, I think that it's incredibly important to truly get to know them because you can learn new stuff about people every single day and you can be with them for over 20 years. I mean, it's, it's a fact. So definitely take your time. That's a, that's a great point. Um, all right, let's get into some of this craziness that is your life as far as 
uh, your career and what led you to this career? Because I always find this stuff so fascinating and you have a career like nobody else that I have ever actually come in contact with, especially a mom. So let's first talk about what led you. So what do you do for a living? I am a nurse. What kind of nurse? I Usually I just say trauma nurse, but... Um, I am a flight nurse, if you want to get technical. Yes, we do want to get technical. So you are a flight nurse. And talk about your journey to get there because I think that your story is incredibly inspirational but also very important too. So let's talk about what what kind of led you down the path of nursing. What happened to um, kind of get you to that point where you felt like you needed to – you could do this for a living and make okay. a difference. People so talk. the short version is when I was 19, I was hit by a drunk driver. Um, when I was in college and so had multiple um, injuries that really changed my life forever um, the girl that hit me walked away with like a sprained wrist and I walked away with injuries that you know were devastating and I had to relearn to walk again etc um, so that's what got me interested in healthcare. Um, I was a patient and I just really got attached to, you know, the nurses and doctors and physical therapists, um, and that, you know, it was just, it ended up being, it was a, something really bad I went through, but ended up being a really good experience in the end. And, um, after I, I'll say this after I, um, recovered, like, I think I told you eight or nine months later, yes. I got hit by a second drunk driver. Oh man. And thank the good Lord above. I wasn't hurt. I had like a whiplash that all those same feelings and have my life flash before my eyes, not already so once, traumatic. but twice. Yeah. You know, all the, all the feels just came back. So, um, thank gosh I wasn't hurt in that one. Um, but it definitely, it brought me back to square one all over again. Yeah. Cause you had physical therapy, you said for almost a full, for a full year. Like a full, yeah. I was so still, you were still in physical therapy, therapy for the first one. Yeah. And I remember the people were like, what? Yeah. And let me just say this, this the second a court date that we, or the second accident that we had had, the first lady went to prison for three years. Okay. And she tried to get out like her first month in there. Anyways, the second accident, the girl, when we were in court settling everything, she wore her Chili's Happy Hour t-shirt. Oh no, she didn't. And I really think the judge, he sentenced her to like more time. She spent time in jail and had to do community service for like three years and... Yeah. The nerve of some people. But anyways. Yeah. So you were actually on your way to, let's talk about how it actually happened. You were on your way to study for, study for like a chemistry, a chemistry test. And I am so ashamed to say that I think I had like 16 chocolate chip Otis Funkmeyer cookies. Because I was real stressed. And um, so I had had all that on board. <laughs> drinking milk and water only. And uh, yeah. And I, I, wow, she just plowed into me and I... I don't remember a whole lot from the accident, but she T-boned me. Thank gosh she was in a small car and I was in a small car because if she'd have been in a truck, I'd have died. So. Yeah. And you said she had alcohol actually in her car. So when she hit you, it went into the car all over yeah. you and they she thought that you so were be drinking. alcohol, not only internally on board, but in the car with her that it, the bottles broke and sprayed all over me. Oh my goodness. And so the cops, yeah, they had it all mixed up. They thought I was a drunk woman. Anyways, yeah. So, wow. anyways, that whole experience led me to my interest in healthcare. Um, you know, my mom is in healthcare as well, and so I thought I would give it a try and worked on a labor and delivery unit and was a scrub tech. And uh, although I didn't end up in that route, you know, I went to nursing school, and um, here I am. So, talk about a little bit. How does your week go? Because you you live in Nashville, but you work in Arkansas, so you drive to Arkansas, and then are you, I don't fully remember. So you kind of spend overnight. You stay what at the hangar for the where the cop where the choppers are, or how does that work? Essentially, yes, we have like basically like a little home. We have a like a kitchen or kitchenette, whatever you want to call it, um, a dispatch center. Um, bedrooms where we all sleep individually. A pilot. Our crew consists of a pilot paramedic or a nurse mm -hmm. um and then myself mm -hmm. so we either have two nurses on duty or a nurse and a paramedic um and then we just we kind of sit and hang out and, and wait for a flight so call comes in what do you do what well do it can either be medical which we're taking a patient from point a to point b mm -hmm. um you know such example heart attack stroke right pneumonia, anything like that right um 
or it can be a what we call a scene flight. So it can be a car wreck, boating accident, motorcycle accidents, ATVs, you name it, all the above. Um, and so we, we just decide there, you know, if it's medical or, or a trauma scene. Um, and then we just go from there. Go from there. My favorite ones are the scene calls. I mean, I don't like to see people injured, but you know that there's people out there um, that are just going to be stupid and do stupid things, you know, riding a motorcycle without a helmet. There's actually not a helmet law in Arkansas, like there is Tennessee. Uh, you told I remember you told me that, actually. In Florida and Kentucky. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, yeah, those are, those are no bueno, usually. So, you're saying sane? Is that what you... Sane calls? Oh, scene. Oh, scene. Scene calls. Okay. I, Sorry. I no, didn't know what... Oh, okay. I thought it was some kind scene. of... Oh, Sorry. got you. I thought it was an acronym or something. I didn't know I was here. Okay. So, scene versus medical. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, what are some fears? Because when we were talking about this, I actually had never truly thought about it before. Like, I knew there had been some choppers that had gone down, you know... Um, Every day. Yeah. Usually. You yeah. just don't hear about them all. Right. And I remember there was one in particular, was it last year? And that was like your brother or sister crew... You guys had worked together, and they, they what what caused that chopper? Was it birds? It was a bird strike. A bird strike. Like so, not two or three birds. It was like thousands of birds that just came out of nowhere. Wow. And it, it happens. Wow. Happens. You know, commercial. Did they all happens. pass away? They did. They did. So when, when you, yeah, Chrissy, I just can't even imagine. And I, like I said, I had never thought about it till we were talking. It's when you leave the house and you go, you have a whole different set of fears. Because of the nature of your job, just because of the vehicle that you take to save people's lives, right? I don't think people really truly realize how important and how on point you have to be from the moment you step on that chopper to the moment you get, you know, well, home really, you know, back to the hangar or whatnot. So talk a little bit about those fears. What what do you, I mean, what has to be done in order to have a safe flight? Um, Let me just say that. A fear of mine is heights, which sounds totally Are you ridiculous. Serious? Yeah. I never knew totally. that. I cannot stand up on the helipad and like look over. Oh my goodness. And I get nauseated. But I know that sounds silly, but once you get in the air, you get in the helicopter, close the door. I guess it's just that there's a door and a seat belt, you know? Yeah. It's a little more security. Yeah. Uh, but when it's, I tell people when it's game on, it's game on. Yeah. You know, you're in that mode, you're in that mindset, you're getting all the patient information and. Then, you know, the aircraft safety and our checklist that we have to go through. It's not just, hey, I'm the nurse. I sit in the back, you know. Well, because you said your seatbelt. But if when you have a patient in there, you guys are up and working on the patient, right? We have to be belted in for, you know, certain parts of the flight, like taking off, yes. landing especially. Okay. Um, then if we have to unbuckle and, and route, we can. You and know, for CPR. I mean, just to imagine, how, how many feet up are you in the air putting in breathing tubes and... Making sure we were talking about you were talking about you have it's to like make 2, sure twenty five hundred to three thousand feet is the average. Yeah, and you said you were talking about elevation. I never thought about that before, but you guys have to make sure that the pilot is good, that you guys are all good, that people aren't reacting to the change in elevation so quickly, that people are going to pass out right. while mean, they're giving we don't care. Fly high enough, yeah, you know, or really in the like major like mountainous areas like Utah and places like yes, because you don't have to worry about hypoxia and things like that, but. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye on your peeps, you know, not only is your patient sick, but the pilot can get sick. I yeah. mean, there's been pilots, um, in the past that have, not at my service, but have had strokes or their blood sugar drops. And, oh my goodness. You know, so you have to pay attention to each other. Um, it's really taught me about communi communication. Not only marriage teaches <laughs> you about communication, but in your job. And, yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't do this if I didn't love it. Yeah. You know, I don't like my... People say, well, do you like your job? And I say no, and they, like, turn pale, and I'm like, I love it. I yeah. mean, I just... I do. I like... I don't like seeing people sick, but I, I like to to help people, and I've been there. I've been a patient right. before. Right. So... And I've seen patient, like, yeah. the high the high trauma. Yeah. Uh, so what are some things that you see daily? And we'll get into, you'll tell us a story in a second, but what are just some regular things that you just see on a daily basis that people just can't really wrap their head around? I mean, I know you have to really have a certain mindset to do certain types of careers. And I feel like this is one where you see you see the worst of the worst of the worst. I Typically. mean, right. When they call you guys, it is bad. It's, um, it's to expedite a patient. Yeah. It's as fast as you can. You know, the ground yeah. crew will stabilize the patient and, and call you and, you know, you just, we do what we can. So what are some of the wildest things you've seen? And a lot seen? of times somebody will need us and we don't have weather to fly. And that totally sucks. Because, oh, you know, if somebody yeah. really needs us, weather's a huge thing. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 
Um, but anyways, um, my God. So the medical flights, those are pretty cut and dry to me. They're not boring. People are, those people are sick, but the, the things that people really want to hear about are the scene calls. Yeah. You know, cause it's just stuff people voting. can't really like tackle yeah, on their it's, minds. It's stuff that like happens, you know, on those, those cool shows, you know, where people really get injured and things, you know, things really happen. Yeah. They're terrible. Yeah. Um, I would say I've, gosh, I've seen anything. I've been flying for almost five years and I've had about 552 flights under my belt. Oh my goodness. So I've really seen anything from a deer's antlers, uh, that were actually had to be sawed off by the EMS crew so we could fit the patient into the aircraft. But the antlers were stuck into this lady, um, her skull. Yeah. And she was still breathing I don't even know awake I don't even know yeah how does that even happen uh it it just did she was driving oh she was through a car yeah it was through a car. oh okay she was teaching her 16 year old son um how to drive like before he was going to get his license oh my goodness yeah so I've seen that I've seen uh gosh a tree branch go through a child's neck Yes, yes so, I have seen that. Yes, so you tell us that story because that story is pretty incredible, and that's when you can actually tell us. Yeah, right? I can. I'm not going to mention names. Not going to mention right. the year it happened, etc. As a young boy in middle school, boating with his family, and um, they were coming back from boating all day. His mom and dad and two younger brothers, and they were coming to put the boat on the trailer. And his dad told the the whole family to duck in the boat, and because they were fixing to come on a, a line of trees. Well, this young man didn't duck in time. And so a tree branch, it's probably 14 inches long, three inches wide. That's pretty, that's pretty substantial, especially for a kid. Yeah. Is impaled into his anterior neck. And when we, I say we, the crew, myself and my partner land, we don't land at a hospital like we do sometimes for scene calls, but we land in the middle of a rice field (laughs) and like podunk, um, the state, you know, that I work at Arkansas. And so, um, he's, we get in the back of the ambulance and this patient is awake alert oriented, talking, moving all extremities, which crazy. tells me a lot right there. Yeah. Um, and my partner and I just looked at ourselves in disbelief, like, is this really happening? Um, so we packaged the patient up, stabilize him. He was stable at that time and took him to the hospital to get care. And we just had to, we prayed the whole way. Because we didn't know if it would, you know, what the turnout was going to be. But he did great in flight. And And didn't you say he was so, like, almost eerily calm? Yeah. Like, his mom was freaking out, of course. Like, any mother would be. calm, but the patient was so calm. Uh, It was was just an indescribable scene. Because usually those kind of scene calls are just very chaotic. And rightly so. Right. It takes a lot. It takes a village. You know, sometimes the flight crew comes in and we swarm in and people think we're the heroes. Well, it... It involves police, it involves volunteer fire, the ground EMS crew, which did a heck of a job stabilizing that patient. And um, and he had to keep it in, in his neck. Yeah, so the rule is an EMS, anytime anything is impaled into your body, whether it's a, I don't know, a random pencil through your hand, which mm-hmm. I've seen, that, you know, just really isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't ever pull anything out. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we left the tree branch in because we could fit it into the aircraft, and we just wrapped it with gauze and tape, and and we were on our way. And Wow. Yeah, and he survived, and he's... And he's doing really well yeah, today, he's isn't he? Yeah, he's school. He's doing great. That's he's, amazing. It's a miracle. That it is really miraculous. Is. How many surgeons did you say were waiting on you guys when you got there? The head of every department. Yeah, it was like... Of surgical peeps were there. Yeah. Tons of doctors waiting. I mean, I could only imagine because of where it was and goodness gracious. That's amazing. That's one of my all-time horrible stories, but it's it's one of my favorites. That's probably one that in your line of work, you feel like there's definitely a higher presence in those situations. Like someone was watching over that little boy that day. I mean, I tell people all the time, like when I'm at work in the air, that's really when I feel closest to God. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, we don't fly, you know, in like heavy clouds, but we're essentially in the clouds. I just, I feel this calmness over me. And yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. That story definitely sounds like a, a graceful miracle for sure. Okay. So, um, 
we talked about this a little bit. We've talked about this in the past too, Christy, with your career, how does your perspective, because I think everyone that goes into any kind of field of career, particularly in a position that you're in, that is, you know, more, for lack of a better word, traumatic at times, um, dramatic as well, because there's just so much going on. How does this change your perspective on life and death? Being that close to, I mean, well, just quite frankly, I mean, people on the verge. Well, you know, it's, it's something that you, you sign up for when you, when you are a flight nurse. I mean, you know, the risks, the dangers, um, you know, that everyday life can, can present. So, you know, every, when I'm, when I work weekends, you know, I kiss my son and my husband goodbye. And I try to, it sounds crazy, but I have my house, you know, cleaned and laundry laid or laundry put up and meals made because we meal prep a lot and that's that's pretty much how we live that's how we eat healthy but um and I just kind of think all right this could you know this could be it and it's not a morbid way of thinking yeah this just it's realistic yeah. for you yeah because I've done it for so long and, yeah um I hear people every day say if I would have just told grandpa or my son you know one last time or I try not to have any quarrels qualms you know I just it keeps life into perspective because yeah. it could be the last time I see them, you know? Yeah. And, and you I, can, I know and that I can't, you know, maybe I'm not going to die in the helicopter, but I could die in the car driving to work, you know? I mean, so. Yeah. Yeah, because you travel how many hours? It's five, right? Five hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. I also have family in Arkansas. Yeah, so, it's, so that's nice. It's a it's a good trade. It's kind of like a mini vacation every weekend. <laughs> so a little bit and of quiet time my, when you're not working. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. catch up it's with yourself. Refreshing. Yeah. I can see it's that for sure. And it gives my... my son and my husband time to catch up because my husband works five days a week and long hours and you know that's my or daddy's son time so yeah for sure and I think too uh you know when you're working in such a you know dramatic um situation and you're seeing these people that are in such bad shape it kind of also you appreciate probably things because you know how quickly so fast life can change in yeah in like I'll give you a millisecond example. My husband and I were driving the other day, and we were in Nashville, famous traffic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, probably some, you know, idiot texting or whatnot. And I was, you know, caused an accident. And I just kind of had to remind him. I was like, listen, I know you don't like traffic. Nobody does. But it's not always somebody being negligent. Like, yeah. you know, I, I've seen people have a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah. Um, or in a traffic. seizure and yeah. they drive off the road and they kill their whole family and somebody else. That, but it's just things that are inevitable, you know, you yeah. can't, so. Stuff you're more aware so of think, when you think see think it. about that. You know, it's not always an idiot, you know, that's a terrible driver texting or, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually never thought about that before. Okay, let's get into happier topics, um, but also equally as important. So you are very physically fit. You always kind of have been. You've always just naturally naturally been sporty, and um, I know you did a bodybuilding competition a couple years ago, but you've always taken care of yourself. So how do you stay physically fit, and just how do you maintain your nutrition, especially when you are on the road and, you know, you're away from the fam, and you're just, you know, you know just kind of doing you too. So what do you do? Because you have a little bit of a you have a little bit of different schedule too. That's one thing I think we should probably point out as well. You're sometimes sleeping when other people are awake. You're getting prepped to go out. So just to kind of make sure that you're still being taken care of physically for your own self care as a mama. What do you do? So let me just say I don't do bodybuilding like competitions anymore. But the yes, brief but duration still that did I one. did do and you looked those, amazing. I learned so much just about meal prepping and I always thought I ate healthy but no not really and let's just say I love junk food I do I'm mm -hmm. a junk food I'm a yeah. closet junk food junkie eater I'm a non-closet junk food no. <laughs> junkie eater I'll eat I'll eat all the sweets oh. till like midnight yes. at oh, night yeah. I can't help it I'm a, and I'm a night owl too so I'll eat in the night but anyway go ahead yeah, we binge, binge eat. <laughs> yes I do I do I do that oh those pumpkins Reese's peanut butter pumpkins uh, the white ones Oh my goodness! It's like there's more peanut butter or something in them. I don't know. They're so good. They're, I'm ashamed to say I've. I think I ate like half the bag that I had a Kroger last. Time. I bought a bag a couple days ago and it's gone. So and just I'm put sure that in your back pocket. My sugar was like 450, which <laughs> for my nursing medical friends out there is like approaching DKA. But anyways, <laughs> uh, my schedule was crazy. But like I said, I don't compete anymore. But what I did take from that was discipline and meal prepping which really helps you keep 
on track. Um, there's different variations of meal prepping, you know, check it out on Pinterest. Um, but it's when you eat right and you drink a lot of water, there, there's a lot to that because you are what you eat. Yeah. It's like, let me just tell you, friends, it's like 90% what you eat and 10% physical working out. I know. Which you got to do both. Yeah. They complement one another, but it really is you are what you eat. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier tonight when we were talking about our, our candy love. Uh, you were saying that even skinny people can be in the worst shape ever because it's about more you than just how much you weigh. On the ex on the external and think, oh, man, they look great. Look at their calves. And the calves is a big deal to me. Like, I've just always liked I know. You've always talked about calves. My husband has good calves. And I, I mean, I have pretty decent calves, you know. I Let me see your calves. I don't need you to pull up I've your, got, uh, your pants right now. Pants on, but, you know, you can, they used to bulge a little more. Not now. Yeah. But, um, you don't want to see my calves. Oh, got <laughs> the tan that I always want. Uh, okay. I wear self tanner sometimes, but to not feel so pasty around you. But um, I forgot we were, what were we talking about. Oh, taking care of ourselves. Um, you know, I just I've always worked out, and it's it's not only good for your. Oh wait, let's rewind. We were talking about skinny people. When you're looking at somebody in there and they look like they're really physically fit, you know, you don't know that they're a smoker and their lungs could be black and they have high cholesterol and, you know, then you could see a person that's a little bit heavier, but they run marathons and, mm -hmm. you know, so it's really important to get physicals every year. And I don't mean to turn this into a medical episode, but um, it's really important to take care of your body, not only for aesthetic reasons, yeah. you know, just to look good, yeah. feel good, but I want to be around for my uh, my child now and my grandkids and yeah. you know I want to be as physically active as long as I can like yeah. I joke and tell my boss at work all the time like you're gonna have to shove me off the aircraft when I'm 70 because I just I really enjoy this job and I you know I want to do it as long as I can I think that's so amazing. So think about that when you're like, oh, I don't want to work out. Or you don't have to get up at 6 a.m. My husband gets up at 4.30 every morning and works out with a friend at our house because we have a gym upstairs. It's pretty legit. It's a legit gym. I've never seen a gym like that sometimes. And we collected stuff over the years, and it is it's it is really nice, and I feel fortunate to have it. You guys are giving golds a run for their money. I mean, I've never seen a gym like that We've in someone's house. We've actually had some neighbors be like, can we just pay y'all? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, my husband, we're, he's more of a, I mean, we're both neat freaks, but we're like, I don't know, you're going to bring mud on your shoes and go to the gym, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's really important to, to eat healthy, and like I said, junk food's okay, you know, just in moderation. Everything in moderation is not bad, right? And two, like, I'll bring my son up there. He's four and a half, and he's doing push-ups with me, and we got him his own little, like, three-pound weights, and, you know, you can go outside and play a baseball game with your with your kid and make it a physically, like, a physical activity for yourself as well. Yeah. You know, so I try to, I try to merge those times where I'm like, oh, I don't really have time to work out, but how can I make this an activity for me and my son? Or, right. You know, so you just got to be creative. Yeah. For sure. All right, girl, let's get into wrap-up time. So, what are you most thankful for in your life? Hmm. Well, that's kind of plural. What am I, the, the things that I'm, all the things I'm thankful for. But first thing that comes to mind, I would say, I'm just thankful for my parents, you know, just raising me with good morals and values. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be, to go to church to be a good person. Um, but that has just... It has really helped facilitate lots of things in my life, and it's just really carried me into adulthood. And yeah. you know, when trials and temptations come your way, and and whatnot. So that's that's what I'm most thankful for. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes. To and mind. you do have a very good faith-based foundation. You always have. Yeah, I've always I've always loved that about you. What advice did someone give you that you have always that has just always stuck with you? Who was it, and why did it make such an impact? I would say my grandmother, who I see every week in Arkansas, which is such a blessing. Yeah, that's amazing. We have breakfast together every Saturday morning. Oh, I think she would give me breakfast in bed. <laughs> but I mean, she just, you should she's ask her. Seven, and she looks like she's sixty-seven. I mean, she's active. She's like who I want to be, you know? Yeah. Um, but she she's always just been the most loving person. Um, she has really taught me to forgive and forget. Do we all really? forgive and forget. No, most people really remember, but she's just never judged. You know, she'll tell you what she thinks, right? but she just, you know, don't look back, forget, you know, don't let your past preclude your future, yes. so to speak. 
Yes. Um, and that, that is so important, not only for your marriage, for your friends, but even for your kids, your kids are going to do things and disappoint you and, yeah, you know, that sure. really break that circle of trust. And, um, it's, that's just important in all aspects of life, whether it be your career or for sure. Anything. So. What do you call your grandma? Well, her name is Honey. It's honey. Really, it's really Eula, Eula May Key. Um, but <laughs> we call her Honey. Uh, my cousin that's older than me, him and I, he was the first grandkid. I was the second. Um, and one day he just, I think he was even eating honey on a biscuit or something. I was like, Honey, more. You know, and she was like, Oh, give me Honey. I think every grandma has like what they want to be called. Yeah. You know, yeah. but Honey, honey was just nice. came out and it stuck, <laughs> you know. And, and when I, I hesitate to tell people it's Honey because... Like, if I'm with her and I say, honey, people look at me. So, I'll just say, oh, it's my granny, you know. And then, yeah. But as yeah. a family, we all call her honey. Kind of honey. We have um, a relative in Brian's family. They call her honey, too. Her granddaughter Cute. calls her honey, too. Yeah. It's, Isn't that funny? It's catchy. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Like, when I mail her something, I mean, I see her every week. But if I happen to mail her a birthday card or whatever, I'll write honey key on it. Uh-huh. And the mailman even has noticed. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah, and he calls her honey. You know, Aww. so it's just kind of one of those things. Well, honey has got some good advice. Because that is, that is good advice for sure to live by. Well, girl, I guess we are going to wrap it up now. That is it. Um, thank you again no, for being here. thank you. No, seriously. Me. Like I, you know, it's very, it's, it's very soul bearing to do these podcasts sometimes. And also to just have to ask other women in your life, AKA your friends. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Being the guinea pig. Yes, you are. You were the first one, and we had some kinks in the beginning, and Brian and I were trying to figure them out. But just thank you for hanging in here. And I just, You're welcome. I mean, it's almost 10 I o'clock. I'll come but, back someday. Yeah. Well, hopefully, on have let's, some new mom stories. I know. I'm going to call it, let's just say episode 100. Okay. All right. We're going to put it down right okay. now, today, thank October you, 18th. Yes. Okay. But I appreciate you. I love you. And I am just so glad that you took the time on your day to do this for me. Well, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Ordinary Mom. Tune in next time for episode two, A Navy Wife Sailing Solo, where I will interview Cecilia Quintero, a military wife who is raising a daughter while her husband is on deployment serving our country. Be well, and for all my ordinary moms out there, keep living your ordinarily extraordinary lives. Until next time.